Hello, and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Jens Nelson. I am Lucas Stock. And this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Thank you for joining us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Well, my good friend, it is good to be back with you. Uh, for those of you, very good. Yeah, for those of you who have been around the last couple of weeks, we appreciate your uh, your support in checking out some older episodes that back in the day really didn't get very much love. And just to give you an idea, last week we released that episode on lament, uh, the idea of of biblical lament being um, something that the the Christian life should be should be marked and characterized by. Uh, originally, that when that was first posted, it. Over its, I mean, I should just say, over its lifetime, it's been well over a year and a half, and it only has 70 downloads. Uh, day one, when we re-released it last Tuesday, it got like 102 that day. So, you know, it just kind of shows how we've grown since we started, um, and I think it was a good episode to, to share again. So, yeah, we want to say thank you, but but... But we are back with new and fresh content for you. And I think it's a little fair to say that this is a little bit of a, a spicy topic. Um, it's one that I think will be very interesting. One that I think at least the title alone will attract quite a few heads. Um, so uh, I think perhaps we'll, we'll kick it over to you, Lucas. Why don't you introduce uh, sort of the topic today as we talk about psychedelics in particular. Um, but perhaps maybe drugs more generally. Um, I guess I'll give one last caveat saying that this conversation was sort of spawned out of an episode that's now a few weeks old where we talked about will blank be in heaven and the, the, the topic of marijuana, the topic of tobacco, the topic of alcohol, all those things came up. And so naturally, psychedelics also jumped in the conversation and you had said like, oh man, I'd love to revisit this. So here we are, we're revisiting it. So what do you think? What do you want to say here at the outset? Here we are indeed. Um, yeah, I, part of the reason I wanted to, to revisit this is it is actually, you know, I think maybe this will become a little clearer. Um, we haven't really touched base, which is part of what makes this fun, but, but I think maybe this will, this perspective will become a little clearer as the conversation goes on, but I think it is actually a different topic than something like alcohol or tobacco. Um, I think that there are some really unique characteristics from my limited understanding, sort of outsider's perspective on psychedelics that I think it is probably justified uh, to sort of put these in a different category from something like, you know, you know, other kinds of uh, mind altering substances or drugs or whatever. Um, other categories of drugs, right? Like alcohol or even things like methamphetamine or cocaine or things like that, that are certainly more extreme, you know, in their impact, but are different in the effects that they have and the types of experiences that they give and effects that they um, cause on, on the brain or the body or whatever. But we, we can kind of get into that. But this is a topic that I've been, I've been interested in sort of intellectually for a long time, I think. I've just always found psychedelic substances fascinating because it's such a um, bizarre, you know, when you think about like, you know, movies where a character takes LSD or, you know, descriptions of like the 60s and the hippie movement and things like that, like there, it's a very 
bizarre sounding it's kind of like trying it feels like listening to someone try to describe a dream where like the rules are just kind of different like the world doesn't work the same you know that's kind of what i imagine it's like to be uh under the influence of a psychedelic is where the things that that are pretty you know from our at least our normal typical day-to-day experience like our senses they're not infallible. They can easily be tricked, but like they're pretty stable, right? Like we, we kind of have like, we know what it's, we, we, we know pretty much <laughs> typically know what it's like to look around at, at our, our, our bedrooms or our house or our neighborhood, right? We kind of know like what trees are supposed to look like and how they're supposed to act when the wind blows or, or what we would expect an animal to do or to, to you know present at you know like these things are that are that are around the world that we don't necessarily have control over or we 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 don't necessarily have like um any way of of influencing necessarily but we kind of understand how they work so there's this stability that i feel like is just kind of gone in the way that psychedelic experiences are often described whether that's sort of the stereotypical like you know you take LSD and then everything around you looks like a kaleidoscope rainbow. You're floating through the air, you know, like that kind of like probably I would imagine romanticized sort of oversimplified characterization um, to other things too, where, where um, people describe different sorts of experiences, not all good even, but just this very, very like distorted perception, right? That this it's, it's very unique. And that kind of, I think is why I was, just drawn to like trying to understand like what is going on how does this happen you know but then i st- recently i've started asking more questions like what does this mean like like what is going on in in a, in a little bit of a different way of asking it and um i especially am interested in the ways that like I am a religious person who's very interested in theology so i'm very sensitive to sort of like you know quote unquote like like religious language or like spiritual or theological language, right? And it's fascinating to me how spiritual, and I would even more intentionally use the word religious, I've come to notice descriptions of psychedelics, both rituals associated with them, as well as um, benefits or effects that people seem to get out of these experiences and the actual descriptions of the experiences themselves right um you know i don't know if people are a fan or not a fan or don't aren't familiar but joe i've listened to a few joe rogan podcast episodes where he has talked about his own psychedelic experiences or interviewed others on the topic of psychedelics and and i love him or hate him like his podcast when he's got interesting guests on the fact that it's just like a three or four hour free form conversation yields some really interesting moments of, of people sharing experiences and, and trying to sort of get to the bottom of them. It's like, it's, it, it's interesting. But so like some of those conversations I've just been struck at, like, these are like very much, it seems to me like spiritual and religious experiences. And maybe the people wouldn't use those terms or maybe they would, but as an outsider kind of listening in, that's what that's what I'm getting. And that's kind of where my interest has sort of like uh, grown into something more that I wanted to like revisit after we had that conversation about um, sort of imagining the new heavens and new earth, what 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 is going to be continuous with our experience here and what's going to be different. 
And, you know, sort of a disclaimer, like, I don't use drugs. I've never used drugs. I'm not uh, familiar with psychedelic experiences firsthand. This is very much like an, like an outsider's perspective. But not only that, this is also a lot of sort of verbal processing. You know, this, is, this isn't a paper. This is a podcast, so I can kind of just say whatever I want. This is sort of me trying to, like, explore a little bit. So, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to have a, a very broad or deep understanding of the science behind psychedelics or the subjective experiential side of things either. You know, I haven't talked to anybody who has experience to gain their perspective. This is, this is very much just sort of a, this is something I'm thinking about. Let's talk about it kind of thing. And that's kind of a, a disclaimer in case, you know, I say something that's just doesn't match up with your experience or that you just happen to know is wrong or whatever. Like, let me know. Well, that's what this more. podcast but, is. I mean, it, it's a conversational podcast oh, yeah. where we talk about things and we've never claimed to be experts on any given topic or episode. But as we say in our description, you know, in the introduction, we're discussing, we're investigating, we're exploring the Christian life. And I think this at least is a conversation. I'm not saying I don't want like people to, to see this title and then listen to this episode and draw the conclusion that like Christians should start taking LSD just on a whim. Um, but I think I think especially with with something like this, it, it does warrant a, a more nuanced, charitable discussion at the very least. Because I think most people, if you were to approach them on the street, you know, you and I used to live in <laughs> Chicago. You and I used to, uh, you know, live in the, the big city. And I was a part of this thing called gospel outreach or gospel student fellowship or something. Uh, but the, the gist of it was we would go out into the streets of Chicago and basically just walk up to complete strangers and be like, hey, do you want to have a spiritual conversation? <laughs> and this was something that was far outside my comfort zone, uh, but had a lot of really interesting conversations, whether it was with people who were already Christians or some other tangential, um, somewhat related sect of Christianity, or maybe it's not Christianity in the case of Jehovah's Witnesses, but... Uh, you know, you talk to atheists, you talk to the whole spectrum, right? So if you were to go up to, the, you know, wherever you live, if you were to go up to somebody on the street and you were to start talking about psychedelic drugs and then you mentioned the Christian life, you would probably get like the strangest look on that person's face being like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, Christians wouldn't do drugs or Christians shouldn't do drugs. And, you know, that's probably the case. Um, but what can we say about these things that exist in our world? There, there are a lot of things that exist in our world that we talk about that we don't partake of. Um, but, you know, what, what do we say about it? So, yeah, I don't know. That, that was sort of just my, my little caveat there. So I, I'm assuming, which I shouldn't do, that people are like somewhat intellectually familiar with what a psychedelic is. Um, I found this article um, on the Harvard uh, Medical School website about psychedelics and, and their use in, in – uh, um, psychiatric therapy, but um, it gave a couple of, of neat little explanations. So, quote, psychedelic drugs are a loosely grouped class of drugs that are able to induce altered thoughts and sensory perceptions. And then also sort of as to the question of how this happens, quote, psychedelics induce the brain to change transiently in ways that appear to allow a reset to take place and permit alterations in previously, quote, stuck ways of feeling and thinking about things, which kind of dovetails with what I was saying earlier, where it's like these things that are like pretty stable in how we interact with the world, they get 
reset. The brain gets reset so that those things are, are more fluid. So, you know, you know, a, a, a wooden table should be solid, but maybe it starts moving around like a liquid or something. Like, that's not something that, that would, would typically occur, that kind of sensory change in perception. But that's sort of a very scientific kind of materialist, you know, almost uh, neurological way of looking at it. But, like, these are the drugs we're talking about. You know, we're talking about drugs like, like LSD, like we've mentioned, DMT, um, ayahuasca, peyote, psilocybin you know mushrooms things like that um and i'm not really interested in how these things work chemically um i'm not really interested in you know like uh, like I'm not, I'm, I'm not actually interested even in the conversation like you said of like like should should christians do drugs like i mean that's a, it's a good question obviously but like that's not really my interest in the topic of drugs in general, you know, like it's just, I don't know, it sounds bad, but I just feel like it's kind of a boring question <laughs> to me. <laughs> I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anyone who's interested in that question because it is a, val- a valuable question. Obviously, you have to have an answer to that if someone asks you, but um, I'm just more interested in evaluating as much as I can, sort of like, like you said, like there are these things, like plenty, of, like the world is, is, is chock full of just all sorts of various things that that we can experience and do and see and talk about and think about and i just i feel like these psychedelic experiences are are one of those things that um stick out to me because of the reasons i've already covered and i think that it's it's a question that probably wouldn't has wouldn't have made sense in previous generations if some of my hunches are correct um the same way that you know we might not like we might not expect people in different you know cultural times in in history around the world to be asking questions about like you know oh should should christians sacrifice to idols like that's 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 a pretty obvious one and especially if you're a part of a culture that um idol worship is common you're not really going to have probably most of the time too much trouble figuring out the answer to that, right? And I'm sort of showing my cards here a little bit, but basically like my interest in psychedelics has has centered around the idea that I'm becoming more and more convinced the more I hear people talk about psychedelics who are not Christians, uh, who, who, who are... Um, you know, users and 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 fans of, of psychedelic experiences or not doesn't matter. Um, that I I I I believe I'm gonna you know try and make it a, a strong statement to to get the clicks. But I think that psychedelic experiences are, are religious experiences. I'm not saying that they have parallels. I'm not saying that they you know could be or or sometimes are used in in a way that is religious or spiritual but i think that they are literally in themselves spiritual religious experiences and this is this is maybe one of my more aggressively uh enchanted pre-modern sort of uh <laughs> unnecessarily hardline takes that i've developed but like it's 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 so fascinating like like to go back to Joe Rogan to to listen to him talk about you know experiences on DMT and you know referencing people like Terrence McKenna and these like famous 
within the world of psychedelics, uh, researchers and, and, you know, journalists and stuff who talk about things like, like machine elves, these common experiences that people across the board, not universally, obviously, but it, these, these figures that people who take DMT at, separately at separate times all agree that they've seen and interacted with these figures that, that you know, popularly are dubbed like machine elves. Like if, if you've ever seen um, um, the band Tool, if you've ever seen any of their <laughs> album covers, um, I don't, I don't, I don't think all of them are, but it, at least, at least a couple of them are. Um, there, it's it's art done by an artist who, um, what he's doing is he's actually like quote unquote recording, you know, in in painting form, uh, things he has seen on DMT trips. Um, and, and if, if you know what I'm talking about, like if you, if you, if you're a fan of Tool or, or, or you are, have seen their, their album covers before, like it's, it's bizarre, right? Like it's, it's, it's surreal. It's, uh, it's, it's weird, right? It's, it's these bright colors and geometric patterns that, that, that don't seem like things that would have, you know, that we'd see in the real world and stuff like that. And a lot of this is, um, you know, the kind of things where, where other people who have been on DMT trips will be like, oh, I saw something just like that. Or, oh, that looks just like this building that I saw. Or, yeah, that looks really familiar. And again, sort of that, that you know, citation needed outsider perspective. Who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe their brains are fried and it just vaguely reminds them of it and they can't remember it well, so they grab onto it. Maybe. I, I don't know. I, I, that's beyond my, my knowledge and that's fine, but there's, there's, you know, hearing people relate their experiences to other people's experiences and say, yeah, that was the same thing that I saw. I don't know. It, it kind of like makes my ears prick up a little bit and I'm like, huh, interesting. And then also, you know, again, to go back to Joe Rogan, like, like hearing him spend time talking about these like geometric you know, these figures, these geometric figures made of love and affection, right? He's talking about like beings, like he describes being like, like interacting with, with, with beings, right? And you could say that's all in his head. Sure, maybe. But like, taking a step back from, from evaluating whether or not that's a real experience, or it's just a mental, you know, neurological misfire causing a hallucination. The, the fact is the, the subjective experience that someone like Joe Rogan describes is one of interacting with some kind of transcendent being, right? And so we can say that that's not a true experience, and that might be the case. Um, but my contention is, if a lot of people are having these transcendent experiences <laughs> that are described in very similar ways, and in ways that, to me at least, are reminiscent of like spiritual language, like mystical spiritual language, it... It doesn't seem crazy to me. I'm not going to make any definitive statements, but it, or any more definitive statements. I've already made my definitive <laughs> statement. Uh, it doesn't seem insane to me to be like, hey, maybe there's something going on here that actually is transcendent in a spiritual, supernatural sense, which also shouldn't be weird to us that there is a supernatural, spiritual realm. We talk about angels and demons. We talk about um, the devil. You know, I, I'm... I'm in a Greek class this semester working through Ephesians and it is insane <laughs> the the powers and principalities and and the power the 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 
Prince of the Power of the Air and all that kind of stuff. Like, this is very real, spiritual, cosmological stuff that is just, if it makes you uncomfortable and you're a Christian, I'm sorry, that's just the Bible. <laughs> like, um, what you make of that, you know, is, is, is up to you, but, like, you have to make something of it. So the idea that there's this unseen, supernatural, spiritual realm, to me, is not controversial or weird. Um, that just seems like basic, you know, religious belief, <laughs> um, let alone Christian belief. And I don't know. It, so this this is where my mind is going, right? Mm. These these are the these are the 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 podcasts and the videos and the books that that I that I've that I've heard these stories in that are pointing me to this direction of like something's going. I'm convinced. I'm gonna say that I'm convinced that something's going on here, and I think it's real. Now. What that means, we'll get to in a second. But so I'll leave, I'll leave it there for yeah, now. I wanna yeah. I wanna interact a little bit. Yeah, uh, for sure. With what with what your thoughts are. Yeah. Now, now, so now I know you said you're not necessarily interested in like the the what like what's happening necessarily, but I I I, I am interested. Um. So I I think you already gave the um disclaimer, but also I would give one too. I also have not partaken of these drugs. I have not partaken of of any sort of psychedelic, and so I I am also speaking as somebody who is having secondhand or just you know seeing videos, podcasts, whatever, right? Um, so we I feel like we have to ask the question: What is happening? Because if you are correct, Lucas, and I part of me really hopes that you are. If you are correct that this is real, that it's a spiritual experience then I feel like one of the natural questions that would come up is should, should Christians at least partake one time maybe to, to understand, like, is what I'm trying to say is, is there a benefit? Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that we rely on drugs um, so heavily that we just become completely disillusioned that we um, are maybe seeking after some other sort of, um, you know, coping mechanism or, or whatever it might be. Uh, but, but is there value in, in Christians having these spiritual experiences in the life here and now, or should Christians abstain and wait for the, the greater reality to appear, uh, to see Christ face to face one day, the, the ult, if we want to, if we want to call it the, the ultra spiritual experience, the, the pinnacle of spiritual experiences. So that's where my mind naturally goes is that mm -hmm. we have to ask what is going on because if it is real, there are natural things and natural questions that follow like, okay, well, can we partake? Should we partake? Is it like alcohol where, you know, literally like God gave us alcohol. It's a good and pleasing gift that uh, does in a way slightly alter our, our mood and our behavior. And obviously drunkenness is a sin. Uh, to, to be somebody who is enslaved by wine uh, is, is sinful. But Christ himself drank of the fruit of the vine, right? So he's partaking of something that does alter uh, your mind in, in a sense. So what do we say about other things like psychedelics because i i know most christians are going to have a knee-jerk reaction of of course not we we don't do drugs that's that's like not like drugs and christian that that doesn't that doesn't mesh so i don't know that's that's where my mind sort of goes on this conversation i don't know if you even have an answer necessarily but if we're just going to extrapolate and draw conclusions here i think that's an, a natural one that's bound to come up 
I certainly do have an answer that I'd be happy to share. <laughs> uh, I, it, it, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm contending <laughs> that there is some kind of, you know, whether it's one shared experience or a collection of experiences, some kind of real spiritual thing that's happening. You know, we'll use the word, I'm going to use the word spiritual, uh, you know, religious, supernatural. Um, spiritual doesn't mean less real. Spiritual doesn't mean, you know, imaginary. Um, it means having to do with spirits, right? Um, angels, demons, these are spiritual beings, right? So that's what I mean, that, 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 that kind of experience. Um, so the <laughs> if these things are, are truly real spiritual experiences, which I'm going to say they are, um, I, I agree with you. Well, I think I agree with you. The certainly a very obvious follow-up question is like, well, oh, I mean, you know, like God is spirit and spiritual experiences are good things. What does that mean for our use or not, you know, using or not using uh, these substances? Well, spiritual experiences in Christ are good. <laughs> That's called being Christian those are not the only spiritual experience spiritual experiences that exist sacrificing your child to molech was a spiritual experience that True. plenty of of uh israelites partook of um i think positing that these are real spiritual experiences is actually giving a meaningful reason to stay the heck away from these things fair yeah it it is a it is a it is a frightening world that is beyond our, our grasp of, of angels and demons and warfare that we see in like Daniel and Revelation. Um, and I mean, we, we see what happens when anyone in the Bible comes face to face with an angel. Um, now like imagine utter dread, that angel, utter dread all the time. Imagine that angel wants to hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and is certainly not incapable of doing that. Uh, so all that to say, and this isn't this isn't me like saying, oh, we gotta we gotta just be scared all the time of what's out there. We we you know in Christ we we are more than conquerors because, like I referenced in Ephesians, Christ has put all God has placed all of those powers under the feet of Jesus. They're a footstool for His feet as He's He has conquered them through His death and resurrection. That's not the question, but the question is, um, would you in acknowledging that um, the you know, the pagan gods in the Old Testament are are real spiritual entities. Maybe they're demons or other some kind of other malignant spiritual force. Um, that's that's not a reason to experiment with, with pagan worship. That's all the more reason not to experiment with pagan right, worship. Right. No, agreed. Um, uh, and we see similar things even with the way Paul talks about... Um, uh, uh, demons, the, the relation between demons and the sacrifices to idols um, when he's writing to like the Corinthians and stuff where he's saying like, I don't want you to partake of, you know, communion with demons. Be like, if, if you are in communion with Christ, you cannot be in communion with demons, right? And so there is this this obvious assumption. We, we can talk about like what lies behind these assumptions or what the implications of them are, what that means for our world today that lives in obviously a very different culture. But 
But there is, I think, very obviously an assumption all throughout Scripture and into the New Testament that um, there is real, uh, you, you know, what am I trying to say? Like, the, the things that, that are out there are real, right? right. Like, there, there is a real uh, spiritual realm that interacts with us or that we interact with, and that's not limited to our interactions with the one true God, right? Um, well, I think part of the problem is we live yeah. in a world that is far too naturalistic. Like, we, we can only believe in what we can see, you know, the empirical data, the, the I can see it, I can smell it, I can touch it. And we're, we're very, very, um, I guess, narrow-minded when it comes to some of these other experiences. And, and, and I, I can remember, you know, to give other examples of podcasts, I don't know how many of you guys have listened to like the Bible Project podcast, for example. But I remember a couple of years ago, I was getting really into that podcast. And there were just some episodes where I'm like, these guys are talking about things I've never heard of. And it all sounded like way out there. Like we're talking about, like, like, the, like we're saying here, angels and demons and uh, the gods of the Old Testament not being, you know, just figments of people's imaginations, but, but true and real beings. Um, obviously lesser than the one true God. But that's why there's so much talk about there being one true God. It wasn't to say that, like, okay, there's a bunch of these, like, phony, baloney statues that people think are real, um, but, like, oh, but there's, like, a living God out there. It's like, no, there there were spiritual beings who were, were worshipped, who were sacrificed to, and Yahweh was the one true God, the God over all other gods, and, um, you know, there's a bunch of weird stuff as, it, as you start talking about, um, you know, the fall of Satan, or talking about some sort of um, angelic divine counsel, um, and so forth. But, um, again, to sort of like bring it back to this conversation about psychedelics, um, I, I think, I, I think in some sense we, yeah, we, we far, far too often we neglect the spiritual aspect of things and we're, we're far too, um, rational in our thinking, if, if that makes sense. And I think there's a, there's also even a, a, a deeper connection between this idea of like a religio spiritual. I don't even know the word like underpinning to to these substances, um, which is that there's there's my understanding is there there's there's plenty of evidence, and and I, I don't I, I I wasn't able to to look into any like you know, archaeological studies or, or articles that I could, I could point people to. So don't just take my word for it. Um, you know, like I, like I, you know, I'm not pretending that I know more than I know, but this is, this is something that I've heard time and time again. Um, people make reference to the, the, you know, fairly widespread evidence of these substances being related to ancient religious services like like being found you know traces of of like psilocybin being found in 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 temples in greece where the oracles you know gave or the uh, like the oracle at delphi that kind of you know like the, that kind of like prophetic sort of visionary type um re religion you know being apparently connected in in an archaeological sense to uh some sort of mind-altering substance, right? And 
And I, I, I don't think that it's bizarre <laughs> that uh, we being embodied spiritual beings are capable of interacting in a different way than our normal everyday consciousness with the spiritual world sort of around and beyond what we can see uh, using physical substances, you know? And a lot of these substances like like ayahuasca and peyote and um, uh, uh, psilocybin, like th these are naturally occurring substances. Um, they're not just like LSD, like compounds that are put together in a lab. Um, and they have these effects, right? And and they they induce these these um, these experiences that people see or, or feel or, or have. And I mean, you know, like we say that, you know, and I mean, you know, I'm just <laughs> take take this how you will. Like like we say that you know, knowledge of good and evil and death were introduced to the human race by eating a fruit. So why, why are we, we also say, I know not all of us, but if we're Christian, we should say, we also say that by eating some grain pressed together into bread and some grapes squeezed together into wine, we are eating and drinking the body and blood of our God, right? Um, I fear for all of your souls that that is more controversial than it needs to be. <laughs> um, I'm kidding, oh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But um, the point being, like, we we certainly don't seem, if you read the, I, I shouldn't say we, the Bible and the early and the previous centuries of, of Christian tradition doesn't seem to have problems talking about, uh, you know, consumption of material substances having spiritual effects, you know? And we don't even need to get any, you, you know, we all, even the most hardline <laughs> naturalistic materialistic version memorialistic version of christianity you could imagine would probably still say that gluttony is a sin <laughs> you know and and that's 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 a spiritual effect of consuming material substances right so i just don't i just don't but i i you know what i'm trying to bring here is a little bit of the weirdness that i've picked up over the last couple <laughs> of years as i've been sort and of i love it i love it ruminating on things and listening to to different podcasts like one of the ones that i in, in, you know that i would highly recommend it that i've recently discovered or was recently shown to me is is lord of spirits um which is like they're you know they talk all about like the nephilim and and all these like things that are just that are just not this the straightforward passages to deal with right um but you know we, we if we think about this religious connection to to psychedelic substances think about like Samuel being being summoned by the witch of Endor or think about like the Egyptian uh I always forget their names but the like Johns and Jonas and Jambres or whatever the something the yeah Pharaoh's court magicians who are like kind of competing with Moses you know um and like it's just I don't know it it, it I don't see why it's any less uh, plausible for me to say some of the things I'm saying than for us to say things like there are these substances that cause these neurological effects and they're just chemicals causing the brain to send certain electrics, electric signals to other parts of the brain that results in these hallucinations that are just sort of, you know, the brain playing tricks on us that we can kind of 
you know, guide those tricks by taking certain doses of certain substances and compounds or like, okay, you know, like, like, sure, you know, like that, that's a, that's a, that's a consistent explanation. But like, why is that a better explanation than what, you know, seems to be closer to the assumptions and the worldview of ancient peoples who have been around for longer than us, right? Hmm. <laughs> and these substances not only were at times in places and cultures used religiously, but they 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 still are to this day, like ayahuasca in the Amazon and things like that. Like shaman, like ayahuasca shamans and stuff. Like that's not a that's not only that's not, you know, it's not a new thing and it's not an extinct thing. You know, it, it it's it's just a thing that is part of the human experience if you know in a you know global level or whatever. Um, now what I'm not saying is like when Paul said, talks about being caught into the third heaven, he just like took shrooms or whatever. That's, <laughs> that's, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's, I don't know. I just don't, I, again, I don't mean to be dismissive. I just, I, I don't find that to be necessarily a very valuable, like line of questioning or right, line right. of reasoning. Cause, cause what I'm getting at is there's like, these are the, I think these are essentially we might be able to, you know, characterize them almost as like potentially ritual tools of interacting with the spiritual, which we have all the time. We sit down to pray, right? We're we're interacting with the spiritual using our 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 uh, our mental capacity to think and and to to speak to God, right? Um, we we can think about. Uh, like uh, Christian traditions that use icons, right? Th- these are these are, are are ritualized religious spiritual tools. Um, we think about idols, just just of any of any kind, and I, you know, of, of, of to any pagan god from the Old Testament or or whatever. Um, and you know, I, I I don't think the question is do do we use <laughs> spiritual and religious tools? I think the questions are what are the appropriate spiritual and religious tools and how do we use them well, right? Like, you know, and what's the difference between bread and wine at dinner and bread and wine at the Lord's table? I think that there is a difference. And, and you know, these, these are the questions that, that, that we would get into if we were evaluating these things. But I, I just more want to kind of just be like, you know, what I've got to say is like these, I think, and I'm happy to be considered loony, I don't think I am when I, you know, listening to certain kinds of Christians, but listening to others, I think I sound pretty loony of, um, you know, people who trip on acid or whatever. Like, I don't believe that what they're doing is safe spiritually because of what I think that they're tapping into Hmm. Uh, in a similar way. I'm not going to draw an equal sign, but in a similar way to the dangers of worshiping false gods, you know, um, taking part in the worship, you know, burning incense to Caesar. Um, there's a reason Christians were willing to die before they did that. And I think that, uh, that reason is the reality of the spiritual, you know, it's not just the, the collective delusion that there is a spiritual and that burning the incense actually does something but I think that there actually is something that happens when you burn that incense, when you make that, you know, sacrifice to that idol, when you take part in some kind of uh, ritual worship of another god, right? Like, 
that th those those things are easy for us to be like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. We wouldn't do that because we're messing with things that we don't want to mess with. And what I, all I really want to do is put psychedelic substances kind of in that category. Hmm. And and the only provocative thing thing I think I'm saying or potentially provocative is that they're in that category whether the person using them thinks of them that way or not. And if you were to approach something like LSD thinking it's just, um, you know, an entertaining diversion, you know, just getting high, um, I, I think that you would be entering into that experience in ignorance of what you're potentially coming into contact with. Interesting. And I, and you, you brought up a good point in the very, in the very beginning of this conversation that this is different. This is different than simply marijuana or alcohol or other substances like that, though they also may be naturally derived. Um, interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I knew kind of how this conversation was going to go. Um, I, I don't think we necessarily have to drag it out too much longer. Um, but I am still curious. We, we, you've mentioned that some of these substances are, are naturally occurring. You know, they're things that we can, you know, mushrooms that we can find out in the world. So, one of one of my one of the questions that comes to mind is: Would these substances have produced the same effects pre-fall? So, like, would Adam and Eve have been able to take? some sort of substance that was naturally occurring, you know, consumed it and have some sort of spiritual experience? Or is there some sense in which these things and the world corrupted by sin um, have different effects? You probably don't even have an answer. You can probably have, you know, a, a very educated guess. But those are some of the questions I have, like especially yeah. for these things that are naturally occurring. We're not talking about the things that are manufactured. Um, we're talking about right. these things that we like literally you could go i mean i don't know how easily but you could go out into the world somewhere in your backyard maybe in the woods you know a mile down from your house and perhaps find some of these things but what what yeah. what what's to be said of that <clears throat> i don't know that we can have an answer i think yeah, it, you right, know right. it's 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 kind of a, a a how many angels can dance on the head of a pin question like all of them the the question <laughs> I like it. the the question The question might not be all that fruitful, but but I think that it does give us the opportunity. Thinking through the question gives us the chance to think about things that 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 we need to be thinking about. Like like what what do we say? You know, like that the angels on the pin question. It actually opens the door to a valuable exploration of do angels have bodies? What does that mean? You know, you know, that kind of thing. So, so I, I don't think that we can really come to an answer. Uh, like kind of like you were saying, um, it's just sort of an unknown. We're just not really privy to that information. But I mean, I, I, I would want to maybe say something like, you know, like they, uh, you know, a psilocybin mushroom would probably still grow underneath the tree in the forest somewhere. I don't even know where it grows, but, um, uh, and you know, I, I just watched a documentary like a couple weeks ago or last week or something on Netflix called like fantastic fungi. Hmm. It's so interesting. It's, it's not <laughs> about psychedelic mushrooms. It's just about, it's just about fungi in general. Yeah. It's so fat. Like they're the most common living organism on the planet. Hmm. Like just think about that. It's insane. Anyway, yeah. go watch it. It's, it's, 
total, totally unrelated to this, just absolutely mind-blowing. Like, fungi are so cool. Mushrooms are awesome. But point being to what I was saying, like, I, I'm sure that these mushrooms w w or, you know, the the, the plant uh, where, you, where you get, um, you know, peyote or whatever um, would still exist. Like, it would probably still grow. And, like, if you were to pick up a, a mushroom with, with this, um, you know, characteristic and, and eat it in the pre-fall world, like, I don't really have any reason to believe that anything different would happen. But, like you know maybe maybe more like you wouldn't you know yeah like like it's just, it's just and, interesting the, though to me that like the world and this is, this is a, a different conversation too but that we live in a world where we as humans can consume certain things and cannot consume other things like there are literally different types of berries that i don't know the differences but there are like these are good berries these are bad berries you know eat these don't eat these and we're talking about like berries that look very similar that are found out in the wild um, but there are like indicators that someone at some point early on ate and we were like, shoot, that guy just ate those berries and died. Maybe we right. avoid those going forward. Um, and like, there's it's a just, similar it's thing weird. with it's just weird with, to me with with like all kinds of things like you're right, saying, right. like not like there are there are, you know, and it's like, does does a does a berry, you know, does does human physiology or poison berry physiology change as a result of the fall or do we as humans pre-fall teach our children not to eat those berries and they don't eat them and they don't die, you know, and, yeah, and probably. same with poison mushrooms and, and is, is a psychedelic mushroom, a variety of poison mushroom, you know, like poison doesn't just mean you eat it and you die. <laughs> it might give you the runs or you might, <laughs> you know, yeah. have like a fever and, and you're, you're, you know, sick for a week or so, you, you know, like there's like, is it sort of maybe in this imaginary, you know, pre-fall continuing world like that is a it's a negative effect like you don't want to like trust me you don't want to eat these because it, it'll mess with your head like this is this is something that you know because the other thing is we're used to thinking about these as drugs which we're used to thinking about as you know escapist uh ex, you know pleasure seeking experiences right you get high right but like in other in other cultures psychedelic experiences are not looked at that way right they're not they're not uh they're not fun experiences right they have they have a much more significant you know purpose behind them like the, mm. the ayahuasca shamans that kind of thing right like there's there's something else going on just in the just in the cultural attitude towards that kind of a substance and maybe that is an indicator like maybe just the culture around like the hu human culture would you know, because remember, like, when we're talking about pre-fall, we're not just talking about quote-unquote perfection. Like, what that means is we're talking about perfect communion with God and knowledge of God and perfect communion and knowledge with each other. So it, it doesn't seem that far-fetched to me to, be, to, to just be like, this is, this is just maybe something we wouldn't want to be doing hmm. the same way we wouldn't, you know, want to be doing other certain things. Like, like we, we don't want to eat a, you know, we don't want to, like, I don't know drink unclean you know lake water or something because it's just bad for you <laughs> right like yeah. uh and and that might be that might be kind of i mean it's definitely too much speculation to 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 say with any certainty for sure but um that's like kind of i guess my gut reaction to that question is like I, I i have a hard time with the idea that like 
these things that have negative effects, whether we're talking about like, you know, plants like cannabis that have like sort of a drug effect, or we're talking about like poisonous things like, like, you know, what was the plant that Socrates ate and died or whatever? Like, I have a hard time believing that those things just don't exist in Genesis 2 and then they do in Genesis 3, you know? Um, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem to make a ton of sense to me, just based on how I like sort of interpret the idea of God creating everything. Um, and what the fact that God created everything and continues to sustain and, and sort of every moment is creating everything, you know, like what is like the fact that these things exist seem to me to indicate that God created them. <laughs> even if, even if things have changed over the thousands of years since, um, you know, things kind of went awry. <laughs> um, I don't know. Big, big, I don't knows to that, but like, I think there's some, some, some principles, kind of like we were talking about with the, the, uh, whether blank will be in heaven. Like there, there are some good principles that we can kind of maybe think about that we can be maybe a little bit more sure on, even if we can't be sure about the specifics of like, would this plant exist or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess at this point, I don't know how much more we'd want to say. Maybe we just wrap it here. Uh, perhaps in the future, have a, a part two if we if we reach significant or if we uh, experience some significant uh, pushback, or or maybe people are just genuinely that intrigued that they want it to to go even further. So let us know. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm curious what you guys think. What are what are your well, I was gonna say what are your experiences? Perhaps you actually have them yourself. I mean, I don't know our listenership, but what are your experiences, both personally? Um, and maybe secondarily, but um, I thought we'd close with a word of prayer from the Valley of Vision. Uh, This prayer is entitled Christ Alone. It says, O God, thy main plan and the end of thy will is to make Christ glorious and beloved in heaven, where he is now ascended, where one day all the elect will behold his glory and love and glorify him forever. Though here I love him but little, may this be my portion at last. In this world thou hast given me a beginning, One day it will be perfected in the realm above. Thou hast helped me to see and know Christ, though obscurely, to take him, receive him, to possess him, to love him, to bless him in my heart, my mouth, and my life. Let me study and stand for discipline and for all ways of worship, out of love for Christ, and to show my thankfulness and to seek and know his will from love, and to hold it in love, and to daily care for and keep this state of heart. Thou hast led me to place all my nature and all my happiness in oneness with Christ, in having heart and mind centered only on him, in being like him and communicating good to others. This is my heaven on earth, but I need the force, energy, impulses of thy spirit to carry me on the way to my Jerusalem. Here it is my duty to be as Christ in this world, to do what he would do, to live as he would live, to walk in love and to walk in meekness, then uh, then would he be known then would i have peace in death amen amen that's a, a very appropriate reasons to not do drugs kids exactly <laughs> i hope i haven't i I'll, I'll, i just want to say this real quick i hope i haven't dominated the conversation too much this is just one of those topics that no. i feel like i could just like ramble not because i know very much about it but because <laughs> it's just so intriguing not nah, dude i um, love it i love it so i, mean, I hope that. i didn't come off no. as 
domineering or whatever. No, no, you did not. But even if you had a majority stake in this conversation, that is a-okay because you are more uh, well-informed than I am. And as history has shown on this podcast, sometimes we're pretty close to 50-50 and other times it's me, other times it's you. Depends on the conversation. It is no ill will here, brother. All right. Thanks, Chief. Yeah, you're welcome, <laughs> boss. Um, Big I don't boss. know. I mean, I, I feel like just to, to jettison out of this episode, I mean, like, dude, what are you reading? We haven't asked that question in a long time. What what, what are you reading right now? Yeah, I uh, am in. I don't remember the last time we asked this. I don't think I had started this book yet. I'm working my way very slowly through it. So if this is a repeat, I'm sorry. But I'm reading Christ the Christian and the Church, a Study of the Incarnation and Its Consequences by E.L. Mascal, a sort of early to mid-20th century Anglo-Catholic theologian. And this Doesn't is one of the best books. Bells. This is one of the best books I've ever read so Dang. far. Um, Dang. Highly recommend it. And then also this weekend, I'm about halfway through, but I've been reading this weekend... Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Oxford Very Short Introduction series. They're like oh, small, yeah, yeah. like they're not like as tall as normal books. They're like literally small and they're also like 110, 120 pages and but they're not, you know, lots of pictures and stuff. But they're they're very short introductions to all kinds of topics, but I'm reading the one on um Thomas Aquinas, which has really been um yeah, it has been as interesting as I thought it was going to be. Uh I think I think I was expecting something a little different out of the book, so I'm glad to be reading it, but I've got a couple other books on Thomas that I'm excited to get into afterwards because I'm on kind of a Thomas Aquinas kick right now. So Nice. That's what I've been reading. What about you? Yeah, so I've been reading a few books, as as I always do. Um, I'm trying to make sure I get the title correct here. Um, so one of the books is called How Not to Read the Bible by Dan Kimball kind of a, an interesting book that was uh, recommended to me. Um, another one is On the Road with St. Augustine, um, A Real World Spirituality for Restless Hearts by James K.A. Smith. Is that a reread um, for you? No, it's just okay. I'm reading it very slowly, very, very slowly. Um, it really is a journey. Um, both <laughs> books have been very good so far. Those are the two like theological books that I'm currently reading. Uh, I also, just last night, uh, finished a 500-page biography on Joni Mitchell, um, which is super random. Um, I, I mean, this this year, um, I don't even remember how it started, but I got I, I got into a really big Joni Mitchell kick, the, the musician. Um, and my wife and I, to try to save, you know, some money, we've been we've been going to the library more often than just like buying books new. And so she, I, I have enough books where I like, I, for, there was a period of time where I was buying books more quickly than I could read them. So like, I'm still just like making my way through my large stacks. Um, but she reads much more quickly than I do. So she, we're at the library. She's looking through, you know, the rows and rows of books and just like out of the corner of my eye, I see Joni Mitchell's name and I was like, huh, that'd be interesting. Um, so started reading that and like really fascinating. And I actually want to read more musical biographies and more biographies in general, because it's just really fascinating to learn about these figures and to, um, you know, get a peek behind the curtain at their lives. Yeah. And, you know, you know, their songs, you know, their music, but to see, you know, what inspired it, what, um, what motivated those people. Um, and then when you start to think about your own life and like, well, what motivates you? What, what, what draw drives and draws you, you know, what, what compels you to, to do 
what it is that you do, whether it's your work or your fun activities or whatever. So anyway, those are the, those are the three books that have been occupying my time, um, along with a lot of comic books interspersed. So that's, that's, that's what I've been into. So nice. Well, well, I think that's I'll, it. I'll kick it to you. You'll, you'll round her out. Alrighty. Thank you for bearing with us through this uh, unique, I say that, I feel like every time I do an outro, it's a unique episode that we've just finished, but this is definitely a unique episode. So thank you for tuning in and listening to this unique episode. And if you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter right now at Doxology Podcast, or as always, email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We want your feedback, your questions, definitely future episode ideas. We'd love to connect from you. Thank you to the people who have sent us emails and continue to send us emails who comment and like and reply on Twitter. And um, we just want to hear from more of you. So so feel free. Don't be shy. Um, And we will catch you on the next one. See you. Peace.